Hi, and welcome to the Book of Rule Books. My name is Mathieu Labrosse, and today I'll read to you Chapter 13, Endless Winter Paleo-Americans, designed by Stan Kordonsky and published by Fantasia Games. Endless Winter Paleo-Americans takes place in North America around 10,000 BCE. Players guide the development of their tribes across several generations, from nomadic hunter-gatherers to prosperous societies. Over the course of the game, tribes can migrate and settle new lands, establish cultural traditions, hunt megafauna, and build everlasting megaliths. Setup These are the setup rules for the base game. Once you are experienced with the game, you may want to try one or both of the variant setup rules, described later. First, place the main board, animal board, and idle board in the middle of the table. Leave enough room below the main board for three rows of cards. Second, place the round marker on the leftmost base of the round track. Third, separate the sacred stone tiles into era 1 and era 2 and shuffle each set separately face down. Then place one at random, face up, on each sacred stone supply pool space according to the number of players. Use the era 1 tiles for the leftmost section and the era 2 tiles for the rightmost section. The total number of tiles used is 8 in a 2 player game. 12 in a 3-player game, and 14 in a 4-player game. Return any excess to the box. Fourth, sort the tribe cards into 5 tribe decks according to their type. Each tribe deck should have 15 identical tribe cards. Place them face-up below the main board in the supply space matching the icon on the card. Fifth, Sort the culture cards into two decks, according to their era number. Shuffle each deck separately and place them face down beneath the tribe cards. Place the culture cap card on top of the era 2 culture deck. Sixth, deal the top 8 cards from the era 1 culture deck face up to the right of both culture decks, in two rows of four. This is the culture display. In 7, each player takes one player board, two resource markers, two neutral gray megaliths, one random chief card, and all components in their player color, including their nine starting cards. Place your player board on the table in front of you, leaving space around it for the various areas where cards will be placed during the game. Place other player components as follows. Place one resource marker on the leftmost base of the food track. Place one resource marker on the leftmost base of the tool track. Place the five camps on the rightmost spaces of the food track. Place three villages on their supply spaces. Place two neutral megaliths stacked on the leftmost megalith supply space. Place eight megaliths of your color stacked in piles of two on the remaining megalith supply spaces. Place one chief figure that matches your chief card and two tribe figures on the right side of your player board.
attach your chief base to your chief figure. Then, place one chief card placed near your player board either side up. Each player chooses individually which side of their chief card to play with during the game. Then, place one burial cap card placed in the burial ground area. Finally, shuffle the setup cards and deal one at random to each player, who then gains the bonuses shown on the setup card and returns the setup card to the box. Next, they set aside the tribe card gain as a starting bonus, one brave and one tribe's woman from their starting cards. The rest of their cards are shuffled and placed face down as a deck to the left of their player board. The final step of the player setup is to take the three cards that were set aside, which are the Brave, the Tribe's Woman, and the bonus card gain on the setup card, and put them all into your hand. Then, draw two cards from your deck to complete your starting hand of five cards. Note. Cards in a player's hand are kept secret from the other players. Your setup card depicts your starting benefit. With that card, adjust your resource markers as indicated to show your starting food and tools. Then, add the tribe card depicted on the setup card to your starting cards. Next, search through the animal cards for the ones depicted and place them face up in your animal area. And finally, your setup card might instruct you to place the leftmost camp from your player board on the base terrain tile after the terrain board has been set up. Now that we're done with the player area, let's get back to the main board. Place each player's core marker on the zero space on the scoring track. Use the side not showing 100. Then, place each player's two idle markers on the idle board, one below the bottom space of each track. Next up, Shuffle the animal cards and place them face down as the animal deck on its base on the animal board. Then, take a number of animal cards from the top of the animal deck equal to the number of players plus one and place them face up on the animal board. For example, you would draw four animal cards in a three-player game. This forms the hunting grounds. Next up, Take a number of player aid cards equal to the number of players using the cards with the lowest numbers first. Example, in a three-player game, use cards 1, 2, and 3. Shuffle these cards and deal 1 to each player. Then, place tribe markers on the turn order track. The player with the number 1 player aid card places their marker on the top space. The player with the number 2 card places their markers on the next base, and so on. Next up, player gain the following based on turn order. The first player receives nothing. The second player receives one food. The third player receives one tool. And the fourth player receives one tool and one food. Megalith board setup. Build the megalith board by shuffling the four megalith tiles and then arrange them in one of the variable setup patterns shown in the rulebook. It is recommended to use a layout corresponding to the number of players. Terrain Board Setup Follow these steps to set up the terrain. First, place the base terrain tile nearby. 
Second, from the land terrain tiles, take one of each of the six types, not counting glaciers. Third, to these six tiles, add the correct number of glacier tiles according to the table that will be read shortly. Return any remaining glacier tiles to the box. Fourth, shuffle the remaining land terrain tiles face down and add a number of them at random to bring the total number of tiles up to 18. Fifth, return any unused tiles to the box. Sixth, shuffle the chosen 18 tiles and place them randomly around the base terrain tile face up in the pattern shown to the right. Seventh, place the leftmost camp from each player board on the base terrain tile. As for the table mentioned earlier, it's basically a summary of the tiles shown per player count. For a two and three player game, you have six fixed tiles, six glacier terrain tiles, and six added land terrain tiles. For a four player game, you have six fixed tiles, three glacier terrain tiles, and nine added land terrain tiles. Tiles and hexes. Each terrain tile is referred to in the rules as a hex. Playing the game. Overview. The game is played over four rounds, each of which represents a generation. Each round is divided into three phases. First, the action phase. In turn order, players take turns until all players have taken three turns. Second, the eclipse phase. Turn order is adjusted and then each player may perform the eclipse actions. And third, the preparation phase. Prepare the game for a new round. After the fourth eclipse phase, the game proceeds to final scoring. The player with the most points wins. Golden Rules Empty Deck At any point in the game, if you need to draw a card from your deck and it is empty, shuffle your discard pile and place it face down as a new deck. Then, continue to draw cards. For example, if you need to draw 5 cards but there are only 2 cards remaining in your deck, draw those 2 cards, then shuffle your discard pile to make a new deck and draw the remaining 3 cards. Lesser Benefits During the action and eclipse phases, Whenever you would gain certain benefits, you may choose any lesser of those benefits instead. In other words, there is a hierarchy of certain benefits. This hierarchy of benefits is as follows. Placing one megalith is greater than drawing one card, which in turn is greater than gaining one idol, which in turn is greater than one tool, which in turn is greater than gaining one food. So, for example, if you were to gain an idol, you could choose to gain one tool or one food instead. Important. You cannot simply trade these for each other at any time. You must be in the process of gaining one of them, and then immediately choose to forego the benefit to gain a lesser one. Tip. This is a good option when you cannot gain any more of a given benefit or when you need something specific to carry out a future action. Food Limit The amount of food you can have on your player board is limited. 
As you remove camps from your player board, this limit is reduced. Any food gained in excess of your limit is lost. For example, you start the game with a maximum of 5 food. If you have removed one camp from your player board, your food limit would be 6. Scoring points. There are two icons for scoring points in the game. The lighter icon tells you to immediately score the number of points shown by advancing your marker on the scoring track. And the darker icon tells you that you will score the number of points shown at the end of the game. If your marker advances beyond the end of scoring track, flip it over to the 100 side and then continue beyond the zero space as needed. Action Phase Starting with the first player, each player takes a turn as described below. Play proceeds in turn order, as shown on the turn order track, until all players have taken three turns each. On your turn, complete the following steps in order. First, you may play a culture card. Second, place a figure and perform the actions. Third, discard your played cards. And fourth, prepare the eclipse pile which only happens on your third turn. Playing a culture card. During this step, you may play any number of culture cards face up above your player board. For each additional culture card you play after the first, you must discard one card from your hand. After playing a culture card, you may immediately perform any of the actions shown on it once. Playing culture cards is optional. You may skip this step if you wish. Any cards played remain above your player board until step 3 of your turn. Note: All card abilities will be explained a little later. The second step of your action phase is to place a figure and perform the actions. You must place one of your remaining chief or tribe figures on either the top space of an action column on the main board, or the rest action space on your player board. Note: When you place your chief figure, you may use the ability on your chief card, if applicable, once, at any time during your turn. The main board. Each action column is divided into three sections, top, middle, and bottom. When you first place a figure on an action column, place it to the left on the top section. You may then carry out any of the actions depicted in the top section. Each of these actions may be carried out any number of times and in any order as indicated by the infinite icon. After carrying out these actions, even none, slide your figure down to the middle section. You may perform the depicted action only once then, move your figure to the bottom section. If you are the first player to move your figure to the bottom section during this round, you may place your figure on the action icon in the bottom section and gain the benefits shown. If the action icon is already occupied, place your figure in the larger space below it. You do not get to perform the bottom action. The presence of a figure in an action column does not prevent another player or even the same player, from using that action column again. However, the bottom section of each action column can only be used once per round, 
by the first player to place a figure on the corresponding action column. Many actions cost a certain amount of labor. Players generate labor points by playing tribe cards from their hand and or by spending food. Playing tribe cards. During step two of your turn, you may play any number of tribe cards from your hand to the area above your player board. Each card played in this way generates a number of labor points as depicted in the top left of the card. Some cards generate half a labor point, two of which generate one full labor. Most tribe cards also have abilities printed on the lower part of the card. Some of these abilities generate added labor if they are played when you place a figure in a specific action column. Other abilities can be used once at any point on your turn, before this card is discarded in step 3. Eclipse abilities, indicated by the Eclipse icon, are not resolved if the card is played during step 2. They only apply when the card is played in step 4, which is the Prepare Eclipse file. Here are a few examples of playing tribe cards. The Crafter, which is one of the tribe cards you can get as the game progresses, generates one labor on its own and one additional added labor if you perform the develop action. The Eclipse ability cannot be used when the card is played in this way. A second example is with the Tribe's Woman, which is one of your starting card. She generates one and a half labor for use during any action. Her ability, which is to convert one food into one tool, can be used once at any time during your turn. The Eclipse ability cannot be used when the card is played in this way. Our third example is with the Brave, which is one of your other starting card. He generates one and a half labor for use during any action. His ability generates one added labor when performing any action. The Eclipse ability cannot be used when the card is played in this way. Spending food. You may spend food to generate added labor, as shown on your food track. You may spend as much food as you wish by moving your marker on your food track any number of spaces to the left. For each labor icon your marker passes, gain one added labor. Player board. Placing one figure on your rest action space on your player board has two immediate effects. You may draw one card from your deck and tip one animal. Also, each figure on your rest action space will provide one and a half labor points during the next eclipse phase. You are allowed to play more than one figure on your rest action space during a round. Note: When placing a figure on your rest action space, you may not play any tribe cards from your hand. However, abilities on your chief card may be used if you place your chief figure unless the ability is only triggered at a specific action column. The third step of the action phase is to discard played cards. Place all cards from your player board, which are the ones you played this turn, into your discard pile face up. Do not draw any new cards into your hand at this time. The fourth and final step of the action phase is to prepare the eclipse pile. If it is your third turn of the round, in which case you have just placed your third figure, 
You may now place any number of culture and or tribe cards from your hand onto your eclipse pile, face down, above your player board. Any cards you do not place on your eclipse pile remains in your hand for the next round. After your turn is over, the next player in turn order takes a turn. This continues until all players have played three turns. The Eclipse Phase During the Stone Age, astronomical phenomena such as eclipses punctuated the times. These stellar events were interpreted as deeply meaningful signs and resulted in much change and unrest between tribes. New generations would eclipse the old, setting the stage for the next series of challenges that lay ahead. At the start of the eclipse phase, move the round marker to the next eclipse phase on the round track. Then, complete the following steps. First, all players simultaneously reveal their eclipse piles and compare their labor totals by adding up the following, which are the labor icons on reveal cards and one and a half labor per figure on your rest action space. Note: Revealed culture cards do not add labor and are returned to the player's hand after being revealed. Playing culture cards in your eclipse pile is used to bluff your opponents. Also, you cannot spend food for added labor during the eclipse phase. During the second step of the eclipse phase, the player with the most labor moves their tribe marker to the top position on the turn order track. The player with the next most labor moves their tribe marker to the next highest position, and so on. Ties are broken in favor of the player who went later in the current round, even players with zero labor. During the third step of the eclipse phase, each player performs the following steps in the new turn order. If a step contains multiple effects, they may be resolved in any order, and each one is optional. The first step is to gain the benefits shown next to your tribe marker on the turn order track, or a lesser benefit. The second step is to perform the eclipse abilities shown on each tribe card in your eclipse pile, one card at a time. The third step is to gain the benefits from each hex where you have the most influence, or tied for the most, one tile at a time. The terrain tiles will be explained later, as well as their benefits. The fourth and last step is to gain any Eclipse phase benefits shown on your player board. Once the last player in turn order has completed their Eclipse actions, all players discard the cards from their Eclipse pile into their discard piles. Then proceed to the preparation phase. Let's take a small step back and go over the player board benefits that you can get during the Eclipse phase. As you remove megaliths and villages from your player board, additional benefits are revealed that you will gain during subsequent Eclipse phases. For each village you remove, draw one additional card during the Eclipse phase. For each empty megalith supply space, gain what is depicted on the space, which will be one tool for the first space, one idol each of the third and fifth space. Also, for each sacred stone you have, gain points according to the tiles criteria. Preparation phase. If this is the final round of the game, skip this phase and proceed to final scoring. Otherwise, complete the following steps. First, 
advance the round marker from the eclipse space to the next numbered space on the round track. Second, return all figures to their respective player boards. Third, refill the hunting grounds by drawing new animal cards from the deck and place them face up in the hunting grounds so there is one more card than the number of players. Fourth, at the end of round one, refill all empty spaces in the culture display with the culture cards drawn from the arrow one deck. Then, move the culture cap card from the arrow two deck to the top of the arrow one deck. At the end of round two, remove all cards from the culture display, and then refill the display with eight cards from the arrow two deck. At the end of round three, refill all empty spaces in the culture display with cards from the era 2 deck. In the fifth and final step of the preparation phase, each player draws five cards from their deck into their hand, adding them to any cards they already have from the equus phase or the previous round. There is no limit to the number of cards you may have in your hand. Important. Drawing cards is not considered a benefit at this point, so lesser benefits may not be chosen instead. Finally, at the end of the preparation phase, proceed to the next action phase. The action columns. The action columns are the four columns on the game board where you can place your figures during the action phase. The first column is initiate, where you can gain tribe cards and bury cards. In the top section, Spend one tool and one labor to take one of the face-up tribe cards from below the main board into your hand. If you use this action multiple times on the same turn, each tribe card you take must be of a different type. Important! Tribe cards you gain from this action cannot be played to generate additional labor this turn. In other words, you cannot gain a card, then play it for labor to gain another card. Also, you may choose to take a card from an empty deck supply space. If you do, gain one point instead. In the middle section of the initiate column, you may spend one food to do either or both of the following. Take one of the face-up tribe cards from below the main board and place it into your discard pile. And then, bury a card, so either choose one tribe or culture card from your hand discard pile, or from above your player board, and place it underneath your burial cap card. Buried cards are kept underneath your burial cap card until the end of the game, when they'll provide endgame points. Note: The tribe card you take can be the same type as the one you took when performing the action at the top section. Also, you may look at your buried cards at any time. In the bottom section of the initiate column, the first figure to get there can gain one idol, as well as having the option to bury one card. The develop column allows you to gain culture cards and gain sacred stone tiles. At the top section, spend three labors to take a culture card from the culture display into your hand. You may perform this action multiple times, spending three labors for each card you take. Note: Empty spaces that the cards are taken from are not refilled until the preparation phase.
In the middle section of the develop column, you may take one sacred stone tile from a supply pool space. In era one, which is the rounds one and two, you may only take a tile from the leftmost section. In the era two, which are the rounds three and four, you may take from either section. Each sacred stone tile you take must be placed from left to right on the indicated spaces on your player board, paying the food and tool cost shown on the space. If you cannot pay the cost, you cannot take the tile. When you place a sacred stone tile on your player board, immediately gain the benefits shown under it. These benefits are explained a little later. Sacred stone tiles provide points during each eclipse phase. Note, you are limited to a maximum of three sacred stone tiles on your player board, and they cannot be removed once placed. For the bottom section, the first figure to get there gains one tool and one food. The third action column is called Migrate, where you can place camps, move camps, and place villages. In the top section, spend one tool to place the leftmost camp from your player board on the base terrain tile. You may perform this action multiple times, paying one tool for each camp you place. The second option you can do for the top section of the Migrate Action column is to spend one labor to move one of your camps on the terrain board to an adjacent hex. You may perform this action multiple times, paying one labor for each camp you move, and you are allowed to move the same camp multiple times in one turn. Each camp provides one influence to the hex it is on. Note. Any number of camps can occupy the same hex. In the middle section of the Migrate column, you may spend three food and return three of your camps from three contiguous hexes with a single central juncture. If you do, place the leftmost village from your player board onto the juncture of the three hexes you removed the camps from. In other words, if you have three hexes on which you have camps that are all adjacent to one another, you can remove all three of those camps and place a village at the juncture of those three hexes, so not on the hex themselves. Notes. The base terrain tile cannot be one of the three hexes chosen. Also, only one village can occupy each juncture. Each return camp is placed back on the rightmost empty space of your food track. Also, each placed village gives two influence to each of the three hexes it is on and provides a player board benefit during the eclipse phase, which is to draw one card. For the bottom section of the migrate column, the first figure to get there can place one camp on the base terrain tile, then you may move any one of your camps following the same rules as the top section. All of the actions on that bottom section are free. The fourth and final action column is the hunt, where you can draw, gain, and tip animal cards. At the top section, spend one labor to place the top two cards of the animal deck face up in the hunting grounds. You may perform this action multiple times, spending one labor for each two cards you reveal. The second option that can be done at the top section of that column, which can be done instead or in addition to the first option, 
is to spend one tool and one labor to take any one animal card from the hunting ground and place it face up in your animal area. You may perform this action multiple times, spending one tool and one labor for each card you take. If there are no cards in the hunting grounds and the animal deck is empty, you may perform this action to gain one point instead. Note, there is a limit of six animal cards in the hunting grounds. If you perform this action when there are already five animal cards in the hunting grounds, only add one new card. Also, if the animal deck is empty, this action cannot be performed. If the action is performed when there is only one card remaining in the deck, just add that card to the hunting ground. Also, the hunting grounds are not refilled until the preparation phase. In the middle section of the hunt action column, you may tip one animal card in your animal area to immediately gain the benefits shown on it. To tip an animal, turn the card onto its side. Tipped animal cards do not count for set scoring at the end of the game, which will be explained later. And finally, for the bottom section of the hunt action column, the first figure to get there takes the top card from the animal deck and places it face up in its animal area. If the animal deck is empty, gain one point instead. Card Abilities Every card in the game has one or more abilities depicted in the lower section of the card. All of these abilities use icons to describe what they do. Refer to the back of the rulebook for a list of these icons. Each ability on a card is optional and may only be used once during a turn. The following cards have abilities. Culture cards, tribe cards, and chief cards. The culture cards are played in step one of your turn, and you resolve their abilities one card at a time, as they are played. They are discarded in step three of your turn. The tribe cards are played in step two of your turn, and you may resolve their abilities once, at any time, before they're discarded during step three. As for the chief cards, they're never played. Instead, you may use the ability on your chief card when you place your chief figure, once before, during, or after your performed action. If you use an ability that depicts an icon of one of the action columns, that ability can only be used on a turn when you place a figure in the corresponding action column. However, you may still choose to play any card exclusively for its labor points in the top left corner and ignore its other abilities. For example, a certain card might give you one labor if, at the time you play the card, you place a figure in the Initiate Action column. If you play a card with an ability that does not have an Action column or Eclipse icon, it can be used at any point on your turn during the Action phase. For example, a certain action might allow you to convert one food into one tool. If an ability depicts the Eclipse icon, it can only be used during the Eclipse phase and only if the card was played to your Eclipse pile. For example, next to an Eclipse icon, you might find an icon that allows you to move one camp twice or two camps once. To resolve a card ability, simply follow the icons on the card. 
If the ability depicts an arrow pointing to the right, anything on the left side of the arrow is the cost and you must pay to gain what is depicted on the right. Megaliths. Whenever you gain a benefit depicting a megalith, you may place the leftmost megalith from your player board onto the megalith board. Each megalith must be placed on either a starting space tile, which is the gray space depicting a megalith. Only a neutral gray megalith can be placed on these spaces. Or you may also place a megalith orthogonally adjacent to another megalith of any color, including neutral. You may also place a megalith stacked on top of four megaliths in a 2x2 two two pattern, placing the megalith in the middle. The first two megaliths you place must be your neutral ones. These must be placed directly on the megalith board itself, not stacked on top of other megaliths. For clarification, although neutral megaliths can be placed on any space, they are the only megaliths that can be placed on the starting spaces. Each megalith you place directly on the board itself gives you an immediate benefit as depicted on the space that you cover. Each megalith you place on an upper level, which is basically stacked on top of other megaliths, immediately scores points based on the megaliths it is stacked on top of. You gain one point per megalith of another player's color or neutral and two points per megalith of your own color. All other players gain one point for each of their megaliths partially covered in this way. For example, if the red player places a megalith on top of two gray neutral megaliths, one purple megalith, and one red megalith, the red player would gain a total of five points, which would be four points for the four megalith they cover, plus one because one of their megaliths would be on the bottom. Then, the purple player would gain one point. The two neutral megaliths wouldn't score any points, as they are considered to not belong to anyone. Note: It is possible to stack megalith on top of four previously stacked megaliths. In this case, it only scores points for the four megaliths it is directly stacked on top of. The idle board. Each time you gain an idol, immediately move one of your idle markers, of your choice, up one level on its track. Multiple markers can occupy the same level. Note: If you gain more than one idol at the same time, each idol may be used on the same or different tracks. The left track of the idol board is called the offering track. The position of your marker on the offering track determines the value of your unspent food and tools at the end of the game. Some spaces on this track depict a benefit. When your marker enters one of these spaces, immediately gain the depicted benefit. If your marker is on the top space, you may still use idols on this track to gain one point immediately for each idol used, leaving your marker on the top space. The right track of the idle board is called the honor track. The position of your marker on the honor track relative to the other players determines the value of your buried cards at the end of the game. When you move your marker up the honor track, place it on the leftmost vacant space of the level. 
When a marker moves from a level, all remaining markers on that level slide to the left to fill any gaps. When your marker enters a level with points depicted on the right, immediately gain those points. If you reach a top level, you will have gained 10 points in total, which will be 2 plus 3 and then plus 5. Once your marker has reached the top level of the honor track, it cannot move again. Final scoring. It is now time to determine who has the most prosperous tribe by adding up everyone's final points. The player with the most points wins. In case of a tie, the tied player currently ahead in turn order wins. Players receive points for the following, which are offering track, the honor track, the tribe and culture cards, and the non-tipped animal cards. The offering track. The position of your marker on the offering track determines the ratio of your leftover food and tools to points. Look at the section to the left of your marker for your ratio. Combine the number of food and tools on your player board, then use the ratio shown to determine the number of points you gain, ignoring any remainder. For example, if you have a ratio of two resource to one point, and you have three food and two tools, you have a total of five resource. So you would gain two points. Important. If you have not advanced your marker on the offering track at all, you do not score points for your leftover food and tools. The honor track. Gain points for your total number of buried cards, according to your relative position on the honor track. There's a chart at the top of the idle board to remind you of this. The player in the highest position uses the leftmost chart. The player in the second highest position uses the middle chart, and all other players use the rightmost chart. If multiple players are on the same level, ties are broken in favor of the markers further to the left. In other words, the players who reach that level first. The charts show the points you gain based on how many cards you have buried. The first player on the honor track would gain 6 points if they buried 1 to 3 cards, 10 points if they buried 4 to 6 cards, and 15 points if they buried 7 or more cards. For the second player, they would gain 3 points if they buried 1 to 3 cards, 6 points if they buried 4 to 6, and 10 points if they buried more than 7 cards. And for all other players, they would get 1 point if they buried 1 to 3 cards, 3 points if they buried 4 to 6, and 6 points if they buried 7 or more cards. In a 2-player game, you would ignore the rightmost chart. The player in the highest position uses the left chart, and the other player uses the middle chart. Important. If you have not advanced your marker on the honor track at all, you do not score any additional points for your buried cards. Tribe cards and culture cards. Place all your cards from your hand, deck, discard pile, and burial ground area face up in front of you. Gain any points shown on them. Animal cards. Animal cards that are in the upright position, or in other words, not used, are worth points based on the sets of the same type as shown on the bottom of the card. 
Animal cards that are tipped do not score points for sets. The maximum size for a set is shown on the card. For example, the maximum set is 2 for the woolly mammoth and 4 for all other types. If you have more cards of a type than the maximum, any excess does not score points. The Argentavis cards are considered wild. You may add one or more to a set to increase its value. Argentavis cards cannot be used as their own set. As mentioned earlier, after scoring all these points, the player with the most points wins. In case of a tie, the tied player currently ahead in the turn order wins. Variant Setup Once you are experienced with the game, you may choose to use one of the variants presented here. Setup Card Draft Instead of dealing the setup cards out at random, after determining turn order, shuffle the setup cards and place a number of them face up in the middle of the play area equal to the number of players plus one. Then, in reverse turn order, each player takes one of the cards and uses it for their setup. Return the unselected card to the box. Chief and Setup Card Draft Instead of players getting a random Chief card, after determining turn order, shuffle the Chief cards and place a number of them in the middle of the play area equal to the number of players plus one. Then, in normal turn order, each player takes one of the cards and places it in front of them, either side up, along with the matching chief figure. Return the unselected card to the box. Finally, draft the setup cards as described earlier. In other words, the last player will choose their chief card last, but their setup card first. Note. When using either of these variant setup rules, you must set up the terrain board before player draft their cards. Modules. There are two additional modules included in the game, the Glacier Tokens and the Rest Tokens. One or both of these modules may be added into your game if you wish. The Glacier Tokens. After setting up the terrain board, shuffle the glacier tokens and place one at random on each glacier X face down. Return the other glacier tokens to the box without looking at them. During the game, whenever you move a camp onto a hex with an unrevealed glacier token on it, flip the token over. Note that a camp does not need to end its movement on a hex to reveal the glacier tokens. In other words, if you move a cam two hexes and pass through a hex with a glacier token on it, the token is revealed. Whenever you place a village that touches a hex with a revealed glacier token, immediately gain the benefits shown on the token. The token is not removed. It grants its benefit to each village that touches its hex. Note. Glacier tokens only provide their benefits when villages are placed. They do not provide any benefits in the Eclipse phase. Rest Tokens During setup, shuffle the rest tokens and place them face down in a stack above the turn order track. Then, reveal the top rest token and leave it face up on top of the stack. 
the first player in the round to place a figure on the rest action space chooses, before performing any other step of the rest action, to either take the face-up rest token or flip the face-up rest token over and place it on the bottom of the stack. Then they take the top rest token from the stack. You may use the effects of a rest token before, after, or between the two effects of your rest action space. If two effects are depicted on the rest token, you may resolve them in either order. At the end of your turn, place the rest token face down on the bottom of the stack, whether you used it or not. At the end of the preparation phase, if there is still a face-up rest token on top of the stack, because no player took the rest action, flip the token over and place it at the bottom of the stack. Then, reveal the top rest token and leave it face up on top of the stack. And that is it for chapter 13 of the Book of Rulebooks, Endless Winter Paleo-Americans, a game designed by Stan Kordonsky and published by Fantasia Games. My name was Mathieu Labrosse, and thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in the next chapter, in which we'll cover the game Ticket to Ride, Europe.